Amen. As I said, it's good to be here with you. Amen. But you know what will help me a lot today? If you will just think about it for a moment and give yourself a Moses-type uh, fiery bush experience. And when Moses saw that holy fire, what did he do? He got a little comfortable where he was. He, he was told to take off his shoes and walk among that holy ground. Well, church, you are in holy ground today. I want you to know that this morning. And I want you to feel free to, to worship the Lord in the midst of this message. And the title of my message is today, Jesus, the Gift Giver. The Gift Giver. Jesus, the Gift Giver. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But as I, as I wanted to let you know about your declaration of faith, that's exactly where I wanted to begin today since it's Pentecost Sunday. And there are a couple elements in the declaration of faith that the Church of God has adopted over the many years. And one of the areas is about midway down. There are two components to it. And it says we believe. And we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost subsequent to a clean heart. And we believe in speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And that is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I can tell you, church, there's nothing greater than being baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen? But that would never have come unless we didn't go back and we begin to look at Jesus and his disciples. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, maybe you have it on an iPad or a phone, whatever your electronic device is this morning, let's go to the book of John, chapter 16. And also, I'm a bit more of a teacher than I am a preacher, but, you know, if the preach comes on me, we'll just, we'll go where the Holy Ghost wants to go this morning. But in the book of John, chapters 14, 15, and 16, the Bible indicates to us in this area, there's much to say about the evidence of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus was with his disciples, and he was teaching them in this way. And Jesus is the great gift giver. So let's go to John, chapter 16. I want to open up at verses 7 through 15 and talk about that for just a moment. 7 through 15. Book of John, beginning at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Mm. Of sin, they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take that of mine and declare it to you. A little while, and you will not see me again. And a little while, and you will see me. Because I go to the Father. Now let me go to John chapter 14 very quickly. Verses 15 and 16. I want to give you this period of scripture as well. Jesus said this. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. I'll read verse 17. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Amen. Now let me digress for a moment. Let me go back to 1896 out of the foothills of the Unicoi mountain chain, which is a small subshoot off of the Great Smoky Mountains. It was in 1896 at a little place called Sherer Schoolhouse, where the Church of God actually was birthed and born. And we are the oldest Pentecostal denominational church in the world today. And it's there that these believers were coming together, and they came out of different backgrounds, some Methodist, some Baptist. And while they were there, they actually wanted to uh, experience everything they could that they were reading in the Word of God. And I believe some of those early church fathers were reading the book of Acts. I believe that they were looking at Peter and, and, and James and John and the disciples on the day of Pentecost. I believe that they were reading about Paul and the future missionary journeys and the great way that Paul came out of his conversion and how he became not only who was someone who was hunting down the church at one point, 
and, and accusing them to bring them to a point of death, but he became the greatest proponent for the church and wrote more of the New Testament than any other individual there is. You see, they were looking for something deep within themselves. They were looking for something that God had for them that they had never experienced before. And out of these birthings, out of these things, and church, I want to tell you, maybe it's been a long time since you've seen a great move of God. Well, maybe God just wants you to have a, a fire or an altar experience where he is, amen? Maybe he just wants you to open up a little bit. You know, that's part of the, uh, part of the inversions of, of being, uh, how should I say it, uh, immersed in the Holy Spirit, Amen. Now, there's a couple symbols if we look at in the biblical sense. We can look at the Holy Spirit through fire, water, and wind. In the book of Acts, we see that he came as a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Other components in the Bible, he's uh, that, that, that form of that fire. Another time, he's that, he's that saturating rain. Whatever it is, whatever he wants to move in that realm, on that time, on that day, God is going to move. Amen. So let me look for just a moment here about Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room. And it's there he's talking with them. And they were getting ready to go to Gethsemane. And Jesus was teaching them many, many valuable truths. And they were understandably upset at the notion that Jesus was going to be taken away from them. And because of this, I believe there was great distress among the disciples. And Jesus gave them truths that would help them through this such as the writings we see in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And he gave them this to encourage them and to help them along the way. Promises that he was giving unto them that would last with them through the rest of their lifetimes. Amen. You see, he was delivering a great gift to them. He was setting them up, as it were, for their spiritual encounter that they were going to have being baptized, fully immersed in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I believe that when we all come to Christ, yes, the Holy Ghost comes and resides with us. But I believe there's a deeper indwelling, amen? And that's where the Pentecostal heritage begins to take itself into a root state, amen? And we're not just satisfied with being a follower of Christ, you see? We must be someone who is really in more direct communication with him, you know. In other words, if he's going to be the one who's the comforter and comes alongside, and I don't want to get too far ahead here, but, you know, we've got to have a relationship where we can hear his voice, amen. And we can understand that. The, uh, the Old Testament prophet said, you know, it is better to obey than to sacrifice and, and along the way. So Jesus was going to give this great gift unto the church. And this morning, we're going to look at just a few verses and a little bit here on the great gift giver himself. And while in the passage that we're talking about Jesus Christ, the emphasis actually today will be on the gift, on the Holy Ghost himself. Amen. So let's take a little bit to look at there by way of introduction. I've heard it said sometimes that people say, well, I often feel sorry for the Holy Spirit. And I thought to myself, well, why would they say such a thing? Well, because sometimes he is the most misunderstood the most often ignored, and the most underappreciated member of the Trinity, when you think about it. My aim this morning is to have you become better acquainted with the Holy Spirit, amen, and with the wonderful gift that you have been given in Pentecost, amen. So let's look at the personality of this gift. Who is he? And he is a he. He is a lie. He is the third triune member of the Trinity, amen? He is God. He is as much God as God the Father. He is as much God as Jesus Christ, the Holy Son. He is God himself, amen? He is the Holy Ghost, amen? So let's look for just a moment of who he is. You see, as I said, he's co-equal with the Father and the Son, amen? And if you look in the biblical sense, and I don't want to get too technical here, and I'm not a scholar in, in English or anything like that, but the pronouns that they use here are telling us that he, he is a person, amen? And we have to look at the personage of the Holy Ghost. One thing that we can find that as believers, if we're not careful, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 tells us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, where he wants you to go and what he wants you to say and what he wants you to do, that's what you really should do. Amen. You see, when I was bought, when I was saved, 
I became not of myself, but I belonged to someone else. Amen. Someone went to the cross and died for me. Someone took all of my sin, all of my stain. He placed it all upon himself. Without the cross of Christ, there is no church. Amen. Without the cross of Christ, we do never come back into a right relationship that Adam vacated at a back in time. It is through the workings of the Holy Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. By all three of them working in unison together, what do they do? They bring us back into right standing and relationship with God. Now, God doesn't want us just to go get saved and go through life and have a few hallelujahs and come into church. He wants you to experience the fullness of who he is. And if you've never experienced that, you need to step in this morning. It's like a river that's flowing, amen. You need to get in the river. You need to take your shoes off a little bit, church. You need to step out in the flow, amen. You need to get in the river. I'm getting off my outline already, but that's okay. We're just going to go where we need to go this morning. But we need to get in the river, amen. And you notice that when you step in the river, how cool and refreshing it might be sometimes. And we're there, and we're standing there, and we're firm on solid ground. But he's saying, get a little bit deeper this morning. Get up to you, get up, get up into here somewhere, get up into you, into this area a little bit, you know, and as you do, you're going to feel the movement of the water just a little bit more, amen, in other words, you got to start standing there holding your ground, why, because the current, it wants to take you somewhere, he's saying, step out a little bit deeper this morning, church, come on, take a walk with me in the Holy Ghost, that's what he's saying this morning, amen, he said, step out a little bit. Get a little bit deeper. Get there where it's really hard to hold your ground now. He's saying, step out a little bit deeper. If you keep stepping out, soon you're going to be where you are no longer in control. You can't touch the ground underneath you. Amen? And he's wanting to take you into the flow of his power and his presence to the places he wants you to go. Why? Because you are a vessel and an instrument that can be used by God for his glory, and it will it'll break off shackles of people around you, amen. Church, we're supposed to walk into a place where we can go and, 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 and the very essences of the Holy Spirit should reside and just come pouring out of us, amen. We're nothing but a receptacle for his glory, amen. We should be able to walk into places where the lame are halt, amen, and the blind cannot see, and people are bound by devils and demons, and they should be released and let go, and let the healing power of God flow into a place, amen. Hallelujah. You see, you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, amen. You don't want to quench the Holy Spirit, amen. You, Christian, must be a willing participant this morning. Amen. If you've never had your, your life go to that level with God, I encourage you today to do so. You will never regret anything that ever happens from that point on. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about him this morning. Amen. He wants you to go farther than you've ever gone before. Are you tired of just going through the mundaneness sometimes? You know, we get stuck in moments in life, and, and it's happened for years and years even in the Christian church, where we're saved and we're sanctified and we're filled with the Holy Ghost, but we don't have the movement of God that we once did. People say, well, you know, it just ain't like church used to be. Well, don't worry about what church used to be. See where God wants it to be right now, amen? Live in the now with the Holy Ghost, amen. He's saying you can't rest on yesterday. And why would you want yesterday's blessing when he's got fresh bread for you every single day, amen? Every day that you arise, he's giving you fresh bread to eat, amen, in the body of Christ. He supplies a banquet table each and every day. Think about that. His mercies are never ending, amen. They never stop. They, they'll hunt you down, amen. They'll, they'll come alongside you. They'll actually go before you, amen. And everywhere your footsteps, church, you are blessed beyond measure, amen. Do you not know that he is the God of all, amen? There is none like him in all this earth, amen. Ah, but there's other things in the body of Christ we sometimes do to the Holy Spirit. Do you know that sometimes we even lie to the Holy Spirit? Let me give you an example. Acts chapter 5, beginning at verses 1 through 11. Ananias and Sapphira, remember those two folks who were new to the church and they wanted to help the church, but they sold a piece of property. And what did they do? They didn't turn all the money over. Now, God didn't have, I don't believe the Lord was even going to make them turn all the money if they didn't want to. 
But they, but they said that they would do something, and then what did they do? They didn't do what they said. They lied to the Holy Spirit, and they held a portion of it back. And because of that, death came unto these two individuals. Look, you don't want to hold something back from God. You want to give all that you can unto God. Amen? God will deal with you in those ways and in these things. Thank God we're in the dispensation of grace. Ananias and Sapphira were not under that dispensation of grace, I believe, at that time. But there's some other things that we need to understand. In John chapter 14, verse 16. Let me go there. Let's go to John chapter 14 very quickly. We're going to look at just a couple of verses here. Amen. Beginning at verse 15. John 14, verse 15. If you, Jesus said this, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will... Excuse me. Give you another helper that he may be able to, to he may abide with you forever. I I'm gonna say that again because I didn't read that too swiftly. I don't like that. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. He'll abide with you forever. Remember, there's an old song we used to sing in church. He abides. He abides. Hallelujah. He abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way, for the Comforter abides with me. Amen. Who's the Comforter? He's the Holy Ghost. Amen. He's the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's the one that we're talking about this morning. He's the gift that Jesus was telling those in that upper room before they went to the Garden of Gethsemane that he was going to send to them. Amen. There's a reason why Jesus was setting them up for such a great encounter. Amen. Another Comforter. This is interesting, isn't it? The word another comes from the word, the Greek word allos. And out of that word, it means to one of the same kind or quality. It implies a state of equality as sameness. In other words, Jesus said, if I go not away, the comforter cannot come. He said, you know how I am with you. He said, but when I go, if I don't go away, he cannot come. And the one coming to you is the same as I am. Amen. Allos in the Greek. He says, Allos, he's coming. The sameness. He is coming unto you. Amen. The Holy Spirit, he does this. He will never promote himself. He's in the sole business of pointing men to Jesus, you see. I realize that promoting self is not really something that in our day and time, everybody promotes their self. They promote their self. And, well, what about selfies? Isn't that all about self? I think so. Social media, all these different groups, Twitter, tweets, all these different things. Everything is about self-promotion anymore. But the Holy Ghost, he works in a totally different way than our mindset does. He doesn't promote himself, you see. He promotes and points men to Jesus the Christ. Why? Because God the Father ordained that the Son, his Holy Son, would go and he would be the atonement for the sins of mankind. For centuries, Israel had been uh, uh, sacrificing lambs in the blood of bulls and goats. But the Bible says that that was never a sufficient sacrifice. That was merely just an illustration of what was to come. Amen. And the exact moment, the point and place in time when Jesus was called by the Father and he was born here on this earth fully flesh and fully human and yet fully God, amen. And God the Father ordained through the ages that Jesus the Christ would be the ultimate sacrifice, amen. You see, the blood of the cross was the atonement, amen. It brings us back into right relationship. The Holy Spirit does nothing but point men to Jesus. He does not promote himself. He's the great testifier of who the Son is, amen. And the Bible says those he who the Son sets free is free indeed, amen were completely liberated from the curse of the law. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, he's the great power gift that has been given. Uh, the, the terminology we use is comforter. And the word comes from the Greek word ambassador. Uh, Bishop Nathan already said it. Parakletos. Amen. It means to be an assistant. It means to be a helper. It means one to come alongside. In other words, he means to offer aid to us. And it's to refer to him also as a defense attorney. In the reference, it refers to him as one who comes alongside. I like it better than that. He's more than just one. One who comes alongside me, he's really the one whose hand I must hold on to and let him lead me into the paths of righteousness. Why? Because my righteousness, as, as Isaiah said, is as a filthy rag. But when he leads us, something very dynamic begins to take place. 
You see, our life can take on a whole new dimension. Now, I'm going to ask a question. You don't have to raise your hands or anything, but how long has it been since you have won someone to the Lord? How long has it been? Has it been a while? Are you afraid to sometimes to step out in that realm and talk to another individual? God really wants us to be moving and, and elevating his kingdom here on this earth. We've got the greatest gift known to mankind, and for the life of me, I don't know why. And even I fall into that as well. I, I, I'm not saying anything to you that I'm not saying to myself. We need to be compelled to bring others into the kingdom of God. Especially now, our world is changing dramatically. In just a few short years, so many things now are so different in America, it's like I'm not even looking at my own nation anymore. It's changing. Why is it changing? Because time is running short, amen? I believe that God is going to do a great work. The greatest revival that is ever going to come to the nations in this world is still yet to come, amen? The greatest number of souls, I believe, that are ever going to be one is still on the horizon, and he wants you to be a willing participant. In it. He wants you, church, to be empowered and energized with the power of the Holy Ghost this morning. You see, it's not something you can generate on your own, amen? I remember when I first got saved. I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say this. I was a drug addict for 17 years. I was raised in the church. My father was a church clerk. My, my, basically, I thought of him as my uncle was my senior pastor for all my years. When I got old enough, then I started dabbling with my friends. And before you know it, I was 17 years a drug addict. And my life fell apart. Everything fell apart. Oh, I was contemplating suicide. I could picture the tombstone. I could picture my name being on it. And I thought, well, you know, uh, my family, my friends, my, you know, people might be sad for a few days. And as the years go on, they'll forget about me. And that'll be it, you know. What was bothering me, though, was the fact that I couldn't do it. And yet, here's the enemy bringing himself into my realm and saying, see how worthless you are? Not only are you a drug addict, you're not even enough of a man to go and take your own life. How pitiful are you? How pitiful are you? But, oh, church, let me tell you, God had mercy upon me. How I met him that day, it's still astounding to me. I was at my cousin's. I was trying to get high. I couldn't get high. I couldn't get high no matter what I did. I could not get high. I was frustrated. I found myself leaving there frustrated. I went to the, I went to the home of a lady I knew, that I knew growing up in church. She was my Sunday school teacher, one of them, and a youth leader to me. I went to her home. Funny that day, she just got back from vacation about two hours before I arrived. Can you imagine the timing right there? And while I went into her home, I sat there for five minutes. Now, this is a person who's led by the Spirit. She turned to me and she says, would you like to pray? We didn't really have a lot of conversation. All I thought was, oh, you have no idea how much I want to pray. You see, I've been trying to get myself into drug rehab centers for months and months and months. And they could tell me, well, you don't have any insurance and stuff. I worked and everything, but I didn't have the insurance to cover that. They told me, there's no hope. I just, we can't do anything for you. Imagine a person who wants help but doesn't seem to know how to get it. But where does it come from? I got news for you. There's someone out there who will help you. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. I sat there and I prayed a brief little prayer. I just prayed out of the depth of my heart. I didn't even know the right words to say anymore. But that very moment, he came and he entered. And Jesus became the Lord of my life. And my life changed. And I'll tell you what else happened that day. My drug addiction left me. I had no rehab, I had no counseling, I had nothing, I mean, it was like as if something happened to me, I don't know what it was, I mean, it was just like I no longer had that, that craving, that desire to fall into that again, amen, and ever since that day, I am his, does that mean I'm perfect, absolutely not, I will never be perfect, but oh, there is one, there is one who goes before me. There's one who resides alongside. There's one who leads me and guides me into absolute truth. And all he's asking me to do is to trust him, to listen to him, to walk with him. Amen. You see, it's a journey that we're on. And that brings us to the part, the work of the great gift. Now, in the lives of sinners, he does two things. I'll give you this. It's a twofold work. Number one, the Holy Spirit convicts. 
He convicts men of their sin. I remember times where I was, and I didn't even mean for my message to go anywhere near this realm. I didn't. I had no inclination. But while I was lost in my sin, I remember sometimes when I was sitting there with my friends, and I was high, and, and a thought would come to me. If you died right now, you would go to hell. You'd die in your sins. And that scared me so much. And it stayed with me. And it bothered me. Why was I feeling that way? You know, I mean, I'm here to have fun. I'm here to party. I'm here to do something different. Well, the Holy Spirit, he would not leave me alone. Why is that? Because somebody had been praying prayers over me. Because God loves each and every one of us. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Amen. I was lost. And yet, along the way, he loved me enough that he's convicting me of my sins. Amen. Another thing he does is he convinces us. He convinces us and points us toward the truth. Amen. He reveals the heart of God to mankind. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You see, it's opened up through the ministry of conviction, and then he convinces us of who God's great truth is and his great love for us. Amen. It is in these things. Now, you've heard said in the book of Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is the component that he deals with. Amen. He convicts the lost sinner of the fact of his sinfulness. And many men want to deny personal sin. Men live that way today. They want to deny personal sin. But when the Spirit of God comes in that realm of where they are and where they're living, he convicts them of their sin. And there's no denying that. You see, it's something that mankind can't get away from. They'll never get away from it. He reveals the true nature of all things. Amen? It's what the Lord does. Amen? A conviction, it may not be very pleasant, but it is essential for the blessing of the Lord to come. Amen? And when he convicts us of our sin, amen, great things begin to happen. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Amen. Not only does the Spirit of God convict us, he also convinces us of unbelief. Amen. Think about this. What's the worst sin you think we could possibly do? You think it might be murder? You think it might be thefts? You think it could be abortion? You think it could be uh, adultery? Abuse? Those are terrible sins, but let me tell you, the worst sin of all is rejecting the Holy Spirit, amen? Rejecting the, the, the very gift that God the Father has ordained for all of mankind to receive freely. You see, that's the blaspheming of the Holy Ghost. John 8, 24 says this, the Bible says that Jesus said, if, if you do not believe in me, you will die in your sins. Jesus said, if you don't believe in me, you will die in your sins. Oh, but the greater gift comes along this way. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but will have everlasting life. Amen. You see, some people are under the assumption that when they die, they, that they, they just think that's it. They're non-existent. Well, that's not true. That's not what Jesus taught in the Bible. Jesus taught more on hell than he actually did on heaven. Did you know that? And along the way, here's what we find, amen? A lot of times people say, well, you know, I don't mind going to hell. All my friends are going to be there. Honey, I got news for you. There'll be no friend in hell, amen? And here's what it'll be. It'll be total isolation. It'll be so to the depth and umpteenth level of isolation that you will have never experienced loneliness of any level on any kind. And your, your human mind cannot even begin to fathom the depths of loneliness. We hear scripture where it says, what about the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth? Do you think that's other people you're going to be hearing? No, that's you. That's your weeping. That's your wailing. That's your gnashing of teeth. A darkness so dark that if you had your finger in front of your eye within a half an inch, you couldn't even see the outline of your finger. And you would be so totally broken and isolated to the point. And here's the thought process, i got to believe. Not only are you going to be going through that, then there's the tormental of the fires that are just continually going over your body. It's like, you ever get a burn on your finger, how bad that feels? And how lingering that can be? 
and that pain is just a residual. Can you imagine the highest level of being burned ever? And it never ceases. It never delinquishes. It never delineates. That's what hell is going to be like. And really, if man would understand the, the, the thought process behind it, they would never want to go there. Why would you ever want to go somewhere that God never intended for you to be? Hell was not designed for you. It was designed for Satan and those demons who resided with him. And they made a decision against God. Amen. God designed for you to have life and have it more abundantly. John 10.10 says this, For the thief comes to steal from you, he would have it more abundantly. Amen. That's where he wants you to live this morning. Let's look at the lives of the saints and the Holy Spirit for just a moment. I'm getting ready to close pretty soon here. Amen. Let's talk about the indwelling for just a moment. He lives inside every child of God. He lives inside of us. Amen. He's there to instruct us. Amen. He's present to give direction in the way of God and the will of God and the word of God. He wants to help you on every single level of your life that you would not be left undone. Amen. And the other thing he does, he wants to have an infilling with you. Oh, now let's move into the spirit realm here for just a little bit deeper. The spirit of God desires to fill our lives with his presence and his power so that we may serve the Lord in an abundant and glorious manner. Would you like church this morning to actually serve God in a deeper level, amen, than you ever had before? More abundant, more glorious than you've ever known. Look, that's not just a roadblock for you. He's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the roadblocks out of your way. What I want you to do is I want you to step up and I want you to step out and I want you to move into the flow of the Holy Spirit this morning. He's saying, go deeper in your walk, amen. And when you do that, I'm going to tell you, it's going to release things around your life, your family, your friends and others. They're going to come to you. They're going to need what you have. They're looking for what you have. The world wants something real. They want a real experience with God. Can you imagine today if, if we could go out there and we would really understand our role in what we do and who we belong to, amen? Number one, you are an ambassador for Christ, amen? You play a significant role. God has so many good things for you that he wants you to walk in these things. You go on being filled with the Spirit, amen? That's that infilling. And then there's the enabling. The enabling. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to close very quickly here. But we're not going to get through Pentecost without looking at the book of Acts. Amen? Let's go there for just a moment. Not only does he want to infill you, he wants to encourage you. Amen. Acts chapter 1. Let's go there very briefly. Beginning at verse 4. These are the, what you might say, the foundational points and places of Pentecost. Amen. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 says this. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together and they had asked him, saying, Lord, you, will you restore at this time, restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you, verse 8, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Amen. That's that infilling he's talking about. You see, after the cross and after the uh, resurrection, Jesus appears to them and they're back in Jerusalem. They've been hunkering down, right? Jesus went to the cross and all these things, and they don't know what's going to happen to the church, and they thought about scattering. Some of them did, and they kind of got everybody back together a little bit. And then they find themselves in this upper room place again. Our church, there needs to be an upper room experience, amen, in all of our lives, amen. There needs to be an upper room experience. And while we're there, and while they are there, Jesus appears unto them, and he tells them, you basically stay here, he said, and the promise is going to come unto 
to you. He said, look, he was only flesh and blood. And when he was upon this earth, because of that element, he could only be in one place at one time. He said, but I need to go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come. And when the comforter, when Jesus ascends back unto the Father, the Holy Spirit comes unto the church. And when he does, he infills every believer. Amen. He can reside within the church. And the church is not only birthed, but the church begins to march forward. Amen. We're never meant to stand still. We're to take ground everywhere we go. We're to storm the gates of hell. Amen. We're to take back territory that the enemy has stolen from us. Amen. And not just from us, everything he's taken from our family, our friends, our loved ones, those in acquaintances we know. He's taken so much from mankind. It's time he's filthy paws are released off of it. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ rules and reigns forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's that infilling. That's that indwelling. Everywhere you go, you carry the, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is with you. Amen. He wants to empower you this morning. Look, everything in his word is true. What he says he can do. I know because I've lived through it already. Amen. I, he's been there with me. He brought me out of my degradation and my sin and my addiction. And he cleaned me up in a moment, in an instant, just like that. And I am no longer the man I used to be, for I am now a child of the living God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to chapter 2 very quickly if we could. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I like that. Notice where they are. They're in one place, and they all got the same mindset going on, right? And suddenly, as they're there, you know, they were tarrying in this place for quite some time. They believe, now they say, the Bible talks about the 120 in the upper room. I believe that number started out higher. I believe as it went out, some people just fell away and nodded and went out, you know. And they left the upper room and they didn't come back for whatever reason. But those that stayed, those that had that yearning to be with God in all these things, look where they are and begin to see what happened, verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. Mm. Now the people on the city street begin to hear what's going on. I mean, you can't good, stop a good Holy Ghost revival. It's going to get somewhere. Amen. It's like, you know, them big campfires, you like to build them, and sparks, it's like, here's a hot spark, a hot ember jumping up, and as it jumps, it's going to catch something else, a fire, if you ain't watching it, right? But guess what? Here's a fire you want to spread, amen? Here's a fire that you want to see. And here's what happened. And the people of every nation in heaven were in Jerusalem at the time. They were there for a specific time. They were there for a, a festival, a, a feasting, as it were. And there occurred to them that a multitude had come together. And we're confused. Now here's what happened. They were dwelling in Jerusalem with Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. I'm at verse 5, verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. They're talking about the people on the city street. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. See, there were people there who were devout Jews from all over the world. And they go there once a year to do this. And while they're there, they're hearing men speak in their language, glorifying and praising God. Amen. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Look, are not these who speak Galileans? They said, These guys are poor dudes, man. They're just like fishermen and local guys, and, and they're not even educated, but yet they're Galileans. I mean, they're speaking all these different languages. How can that be? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, that's where, how far away they came. Judah and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergamum and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. People from all over the known world were there, and they were hearing these Galileans, these uneducated guys speak these languages. 
Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Hallelujah, that's power. I remember some years ago, we, uh, we went to church at Down River Place Center, uh, Destiny Center of Biblical Studies. My wife was teaching a class on the Holy Spirit. During her class, they had a prayer session. And in her class, Marlene starts to speak in tongues. And what happened was, uh, one of our young ministers at the church is a Hispanic minister, Alan. Pastor Alan comes up to Marlene and he says, Marlene, he says, I've never heard anybody pray ever in Spanish the way that you did. He said, man, that was beautiful. He said, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. And she said, Alan, I didn't know I was speaking Spanish because I don't know how to speak Spanish. You see, that's the work of the Holy Ghost. That's what he can do. Now, let's say this too. Let's pull this point out there. We're not just talking earthly languages. Paul talked about the unknown language, amen, which I believe is that heavenly language that the Holy Spirit works through us when we pray and when we pray for others through intercessory prayers and things like that. I believe the Holy Spirit has that unknown language. Paul talked about the unknown language, amen, about speaking in tongues, amen. And that's the experience that in 1896 it shares through all they experienced. You know that they had great persecution after that? Many of them were tossed out of their local churches. They built a small log cabin church in the local, and the local church members in that area who disagreed with them actually went and they burned that little log cabin schoolhouse down. They didn't want that. They couldn't understand what was, what's happening here. What's going on? And really, these early believers in Pentecost, at least in the Church of God realm of thinking, they were just trying to get closer to God. That's all they were wanting to do. They wanted to be more indwelt and infilled in all these things. Verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying one another, whatever could this mean? I'll finish very quickly. Others mocking said they are full of new wine. In other words, they accused them of being drunk. But Peter, oh, praise God. Peter, remember him? The guy who denied Christ three times? Where's Peter now? He's had an upper room experience. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised up his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For they are not drunk as you think they are, for it is but the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Amen. And signs in the earth beneath and blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, half of that prophecy has already been fulfilled. The second half of that prophecy has yet to pass. Amen? When it talks about the great and terrible day of the Lord, that's coming upon this earth, church. He wants us to have an encounter with him. Thank you, music that you played. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Here's what I believe the Spirit is saying to us today. We hold back so much in the church. Sometimes we're afraid of what other people might say or what people might think. Maybe we've been dealing with family members and other people around us. And they know that we're Christian. They know our stance on things. They know how we look at life. But you ever get to the point where they're like, I just don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear about God. I mean, you have your beliefs and I have mine, and, you know. They just want to go through life, but I tell you what, their eternal soul rests in the balance. Or maybe you're a Christian and maybe you've been going through something in your own personal life for so long. Maybe you just want to move God to move you in a new direction. Maybe you want God to help you walk through these things this morning. Maybe you're a young person. Maybe you've been struggling in areas. Maybe something that's very private to you and you've never told anybody else, not even your closest friends. Well, I got news for you today. The Lord is here. 
Thank you. 
guest speaker talked about going deeper this morning. Going deeper, going deeper, going deeper, going deeper, going deeper. Come on, there's somebody that wants to go deeper in the Lord this morning. If you want to go deeper, we need to step forward right now. You can't get deeper without stepping forward. You can't, you, you can't get deeper without moving into. So come on, this morning, if you want to move into something more, if you want to move into something greater, come on, come forward. Come forward. Come forward. Come forward. There's a move of the Holy Ghost happening in this house. There's a move of
this time 